Fred Bracciani of TSC Wrestling. Just going on my daily walk. It is a nice hot day here in Jersey. And we got a lot of news, a lot of hot topics to get into. I don't even know where to start, so I'm just going to wing it here. First things first, it was reported that CM Punk helped AEW draw 1.3 million viewers on Friday night for his promotional debut and Rampage, never mind the over 15,000 fans that were at the NBA Arena, the United Center, where the Chicago Bulls play, which I don't think Dibby's ever ran that. They've always run the Rosemont Horizon, the Allstate Arena. I don't think they've ever run the United Center, at least not in recent history. And for CM Punk, based on rumors, hearsay, subtle marketing, to help AEW sell that out or practically sell it out because of his name and name value alone, that's incredible. And by the way, this is an edit I'm adding after the fact. I forgot to mention CM Punk's return, AEW Rampage, Friday night. Outrated WWE Friday Night Smackdown on Fox in the 18 to 34 and 18 to 49 demo. Wow. Absolutely fantastic stuff. Congratulations to AEW. Congratulations to CM Punk. I, you know, I don't know. I, I am a little disappointed in the, the upcoming Dynamite card. I feel like it's a little weak on paper. You have CM Punk on there, but the rest of the stuff isn't really marquee. So I'm curious to see if he can continue to help carry AEW. I think moving forward on shows that he is going to be appearing on, they should probably stack the card with like, I don't know, John Moxley versus some name. Nothing against Daniel Garcia. You know, he looked really good in that short match he had with Moxley, but I do think you need somebody a little bit more marquee on the other side of Moxley or Darby Allen or whatever big name you're putting in the main event or so. But really good news for AEW. Very happy for them. Say what you want about some of their creative direction and stuff like that, but they let that moment breathe on Friday night. They didn't overproduce it. And it was one of the greatest moments in wrestling history. And you can debate where it ranks. You know, obviously, you know, there's Edge's comeback, which is beautiful. Daniel Bryan's comeback, which was amazing as well. I mean, there's a lot, I mean, there's a lot of great moments in professional wrestling. You know, with the King coming back after uh, suffering a heart attack and practically dying on Raw. I mean, you know, pick where you want to rank it. But still, a great moment. And I'd say definitely maybe the greatest moment in AEW history. One of my personal favorite moments also, for those that are wondering, was the Cody-Dustin match. I thought it was one of the greatest matches in AEW history. One of the best matches I've ever seen. And then the, the post-moment where they hug and embrace, that was pretty cool too. So rank it wherever you want, but it was a great moment. Now on to some more potential AEW news. NXT TakeOver 36. Ilya Dragunov wins the NXT UK title in an incredible match against Walter. That poor guy, though, he gets his ass handed to him in every freaking match. And it's very reminiscent of some of these strong style, you know, old school all Japan matches. Uh, I hope he takes care of himself. I hope he gets a lot of advice. I hope he gets a raise. God bless him. He had a big gash. He was all beat up. Uh, we had Raquel Gonzalez retaining the NXT women's title against Dakota Kai. I don't know if she's going to get called up or not. Maybe she will by the time you watch or listen to this. But I'm I've always been impressed with Dakota Kai. I think she's awesome. She belongs on the main roster. Raquel needs a little more seasoning, a little more work. But I thought it was a, a good win for her there. Although the heel, babyface dynamic, very weird. Very weird considering Dakota is the much smaller competitor. And she seems to have a much bigger fan base than Raquel at the moment. We also had Karrion Cross losing to Samoa Joe. Meaning Samoa Joe is now a three-time NXT champion. 
I thought the match was fine. I was watching it in the background. I had some stuff I had to do, so I wasn't really watching it with the sound on until the end. And I was very happy for Samoa Joe as a longtime fan. But, you know, time will tell where the brand goes. Nick Khan, WWE executive, the man that's labeled as the villain when, if we're being honest, the guy really making the decisions is still Vince McMahon. I uh, did say that, did tell Ariel Helwani and BT Sport that NXT is going to be going through some changes, particularly on the production side, on the younger side. And we will certainly see what happens there. I know they just signed a dozen folks from the Las Vegas tryouts, including some people without any wrestling experience, which I don't think is necessarily that bad. It's just, you got to keep this in mind. A lot of people that haven't had quote-unquote pro wrestling experience in the past were recruited by the likes of Gerald Briscoe and the likes of Mark Henry. One of which, Mark Henry, employed by AEW. I don't know if Gerald Briscoe's employed by AEW, but... I would imagine he's probably advising them or maybe some other companies on an unofficial capacity just because, I mean, listen, if Jerry Briscoe's a free agent and you got his contact info, I mean, there's very few guys that know how to scout talent like Jerry Briscoe. I'd be very surprised if not, if he's not in some type of consultant role officially or unofficially. Point is, Briscoe, Henry, phenomenal recruiters, and Mark Henry's really underrated because Mark Henry helped recruit Jade Cargill, he helped recruit Braun Strowman, he helped recruit Bianca Belair. Yeah, the man obviously knows what the hell he's doing. And of course, as it relates, really relates to AEW news, Adam Cole, according to PWIinsider.com, made his final appearance for WWE NXT. He lost to Kyle O'Reilly. I did not get a chance to catch that match. Had a bit of a mixed reaction, but kudos to Cole for doing business the right way. On the way out, no BS, no nothing. Did the job, put over his longtime friend Kyle O'Reilly and reportedly he's done with NXT and he has not signed an extension. And reportedly he is not backstage at WWE Raw. Which means what? Which means that it's very likely based on some of the hints from the Young Bucks on social media, from his real life girlfriend Britt Baker, make sure maybe his wife by now, his real life partner Britt Baker on Twitter, that he could be on his way out and on his way to AEW. Some people say, well, you know, if he, go, if he goes to AEW, he could get lost in a shuffle, yada, yada. They have a huge roster. Yeah, they do, but so does WWE. And unlike AEW, WWE has multiple brands that they could get Adam Cole over on. They definitely have some openings on the main roster that Adam Cole could slide into. And they've had like four years to do something with this guy and the Undisputed Era. It's an absolute crime that other than that brief Survivor Series, I think it was Survivor Series 2019, like deal with NXT invading. Other than that, the Undisputed Era never got to debut properly on the main roster. And that's absolutely embarrassing because even though they were in NXT, I really do think in modern wrestling history, you know, maybe not so much for like drawing money or, or whatever. I mean, I guess, you know, to some extent, they were a big part of the NXT package, but just how they were pushed, how they were protected, the quality, of the, the quality of the matches, excuse me, I really do believe they're one of the best stables in recent wrestling history. You know, they ain't the Four Horsemen or the Shield or anything like that, okay? I'm not going to go that far. They're not DX, but in terms of just consistent greatness, you know, usually on the mic, usually in the ring, usually in their feuds, you know, making a lot of sense and being really engaging and, you know, elevating everybody that was a part of that whole group and who feuded with the group. I mean, they're definitely up there and, you know, props to all those guys involved and yeah, I mean, it's definitely an end of an era. No pun intended. You know, Bobby Fish is released. Roderick Strong looks like he's in a midlife crisis. 
<laughs> you know, just kind of wandering aimlessly in NXT. Kyle O'Reilly got the win, but you can make the argument that, you know, he's not as over as Adam Cole and, you know, he's got some shortcomings. I don't know. I've always been a big Kyle O'Reilly fan, but, you know, there is mixed feedback. There was mixed feedback yesterday. Even though it was the right thing for business for Adam Cole to lose, some people were like, yeah, Kyle O'Reilly's not over and this and that. I mean, I, I, I've said it before. I'll say it again. I just think a lot of these guys have been in NXT for so freaking long. And they're at the point, like, Impact Wrestling back in the day with Bobby Roode and James Storm and AJ Styles and all those guys. It wasn't that they weren't talented or aren't still talented. Is that they were just in the same place for so freaking long. And you could only do so much with them. And they didn't go away for a while. And I, I think at that time, too, uh, you know, TNA, Impact Wrestling, had screwed up its, you know, working relationship with New Japan. So, like, they could have, in retrospect, maybe have sent these guys to Japan or something for a while, but... Whatever the case may be, they obviously had to go somewhere else. And ironically enough, three of them did go to WWE. Lance Storm was, or sorry, James Storm was there for about a cup of coffee for a couple weeks in NXT. And of course, AJ Styles, great career in WWE. And Bobby Roode, you could say, yeah, it's a respectable WWE career and a nice icing on the cake of an overall great wrestling career. Kind of like Samoa Joe. I still think Samoa Joe could have been WWE champion or should have been WWE champion at one point. But you know what? He got to be a great commentator. He got to host WrestleMania. He got to win the United States title a couple times. He made a WrestleMania appearance. He got to meet some pay-per-view main events. He's a three-time NXT champion. You know, it's this is definitely a lot better and a lot further than I think Samojo could have gone if he asked 2014 Fred. So, hey, as a longtime TNA ROH fan, you take what you can get with some of these guys. But as for Adam Cole... If his agreement's up, I'm assuming that he can appear on Dynamite or Rampage, and perhaps that's why they haven't really stacked the card for Wednesday night's Dynamite, because you do have CM Punk, and hey, I guess you could technically have Adam Cole. Now, would you want to debut Adam Cole right away? Would you want to run some vignettes? Would you want to hint it like that? That I don't know. Because while it worked with CM Punk to do kind of like that subtle gorilla marketing, so to speak... I don't know if I don't know if that'll work with Adam Cole. You know what I mean? I mean, it's a, it's a different situation. You know, CM Punk was away from wrestling for seven and a half years. Nobody thought he'd come back. You know, was retired, was miserable at one point with the business. Thanks to how WWE treated him. Uh, Adam Cole, di very different situation. So, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot that they can do now that they have the talent exchange with New Japan Pro Wrestling. Do they properly reform the Bullet Club? You know, especially with Jay White now appearing in Impact Wrestling. That remains to be seen, but either way, I mean, Adam Cole's a great get, and if, you know, if he, if they're not going to call him up on the main roster in NXT, even though he likes Triple H and Shawn Michaels very much, might as well go to AEW. You know, AEW's doing great. I hope and pray that AEW lasts for decades and decades and decades, whether you, anybody likes the product or not, just so people can go there and make some freaking money and have a true alternative, and, and obviously for fans to have a true alternative, but here's the deal. In three to five years from now, we don't know if AEW is going to exist. I think it's safe to assume AEW will exist, but we don't know that for sure. I think it's pretty safe to say for the, for the next five to ten years, WWE will exist, whether it's still owned by the McMahons overall, or if it's owned by Disney or Amazon or whomever. So, I think WWE will always be there. He did his time in NXT. He did everything he possibly could. We've seen this time and time again where you know they re-sign guys and then... They might push him for a little bit and then slot him back down to wherever Vince McMahon thinks they are. I mean, even at Road Dog at one point in an interview on WWE Network TV, 
mentioned like it's about Adam Cole. Oh, if only he was bigger. If only it was a little bit bigger, he'd be great. It's something like that. I'm paraphrasing here. I mean, that's it's just ridiculous. Okay, and again, you don't have to like Adam Cole. I'm not whether you like Adam Cole or not. The point is, the guy's clearly got talent. He's had some of the best matches in WWE history from an in-ring standpoint. He's a great promo. He carries himself like a professional. You know, I don't know. Even even if you think he's a little bit on the smaller side, the fact that you can't call up a guy like that to at least insert them in an Intercontinental Championship program with like Nakamura and Apollo Crews and those guys, or the United States Championship. Like, nobody's saying he's got to get called up and beat Bobby Lashley or beat Roman Reigns. But the fact that you can't find anything for that guy to do on the main roster, you know, I, I like this version of Baron Corbin we're getting. It's kind of fun, but, you know, you got like three, four segments of Baron Corbin. You're telling me not one of those segments can belong to Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly. And, you know, I don't know, even like, even just bringing in an NXT team every now and then just for exposure, like MSK or something like that, it's just... I don't get it. I don't get it. So, yeah, I expect Adam Cole to uh, go to AEW, do his damn thing, and we'll, we'll see. I mean, it is a very crowded, uh, dare I say, bloated roster right now, though, and that's the only thing. And that brings us to the other AEW news. Dave Meltzer reports that Bray Wyatt, a.k.a. Wyndham Rotunda, could be on his way to AEW. Actually, he pretty much said that it's almost a... He didn't say it was almost a lock, but he pretty much said that, yes, it's likely happening, which is interesting because God bless Wyndham Rotunda. But one, I think that gimmick really ran its course towards the end of WWE. And two, he really just seems like a better fit for WWE overall. He does not seem like a indie guy or anything like that. In fact, I think if I were him, if there's an opportunity there, I would just go to Hollywood because I don't know who's totally responsible for all the stupid wacky hocus pocus stuff and if you liked it no offense okay if you like what you like god bless you but me personally i just couldn't stand all that all that stuff i liked him as part of the wyatt family i liked the fiend initially and then he completely lost me after hell in a cell 2019 when he took that sledgehammer or mallet or whatever whatever the hell seth rollins used on bray and they decued him and in a freaking hell in a cell match i mean yeah I'm not, I'm not a big fan of, of the Fiend character, at least the Fiend character that we saw towards the end of WWE, but I do think the guy is very talented. I do think that if you have somebody who can produce him, who can, I don't want to say mentor him, he's been in the business for a long time, but just somebody that can reel him in. And again, I don't know how many of the ideas that we saw that were pretty bad during the Thunderdome era were Vince's or his or a combination of both. But I, I would just, I, I think if you could reel him in, if you can bring him in, you don't put a mask on him, okay? If you want to keep kayfabe, get rid of the mask. Maybe you could have some face paint here and there. But just, I would just bring him in kind of like as closer to the original Bray Wyatt. Have him manage the Dark Order. I wouldn't like to see him just manage the Dark Order alone, though. I think it'd be better if they brought, hmm, Braun Strowman, his good friend. Hell, you know what? If we're going full WWE alumni here, nostalgia, Brody Lee connection, God rest his soul. It was a year ago uh, yesterday that he won the TNT title, I believe. Why not just bring in Eric Rowan as well? That's what I would do. If you are going to bring in Bray Wyatt, bring in Bray Wyatt, bring in Eric Rowan, bring in Braun Strowman, have them be the pillars of the Dark Order, and then, you know, keep a few guys. I want to keep like a dozen Dark Order members or however many they have. I think that's just, to me, that's excessive. And it's, you know, I know they're popular online with their YouTube stuff, but it, it, it's excessive. And to me, it's like, are you really going to boo John Silver? I mean, some people might, but I'm just saying in general, like a character like that's meant to be an underdog, right? 
Uh, you know, Alex Reynolds, you could probably keep him as a heel. Evil Uno, he could probably make him a babyface. He's already a babyface, but my point is, I think if, if Bray Wyatt's coming in, if Braun Strowman's coming in, if you do want to bring in Eric Rowan to have that Wyatt family connection, I think it should probably be heels, maybe a top heel stable. Now, then you get to the point where you're like, wait a minute. You have this stable, that stable, that stable. There are a lot of stables, but New Japan Pro Wrestling has shown over the years, for over a decade now, more than that, that you can have multiple stables and still get guys and girls over. But you got to do it right. So that's the thing. Time, time will tell. Time will tell. They're hot right now. It's the honeymoon period. They're they, Business-wise, they're doing fantastic. I think creatively they got to tweak things a little bit, and hopefully Tony Khan can do that, and hopefully he could delegate some of that stuff, man. I mean, you think about this. The guy employs... Tully Blanchard, Arn Anderson, Jake the Snake Roberts, Taz, Chris Jericho, Jim Ross. Forget the VPs for a second. Dustin Rhodes. Okay? If, if he's not soliciting advice from any of those guys, particularly guys who aren't really active that much anymore, or, you know, like, again, like a Tully Blanchard, like an Arn Anderson, something's seriously wrong. Nothing against QT Marshall and some of these other people that... Maybe help producing. I mean, you got Dean Malenko backstage. You got all these dudes. Like, I'm not saying, like, you got to go full old school and do every single thing that worked for Crockett Promotions or the Monday Night Wars or whatever else, but you've got so much collective wrestling knowledge backstage in AEW. Hopefully, they're utilizing it. And if not, hopefully, they choose to utilize it a lot more. And I think Punk certainly will elevate that. I think Brian will elevate that. And again, I'll say, I said it before, I'll say it again. I'm not really worried about Brian and Punk. Those guys have proven to do good business. Those guys have proven to you know, be great wrestlers and elevate people they work with. My only concern is the, the ego of, of some of the VPs. And again, I don't know this for sure. You know, they, they seem to be well-liked backstage. But again, to make a WCW comparison, you know, in the past when you had too many people in power, things got a little chaotic and got a little messy. Especially if you're an active wrestler that's also in charge of creative. You go back to Jim Crockett Promotions, same thing. Hell, you could go as recent to TNA, same thing. Things got a little freaking messy when too many people had their hands in the cookie jar. So we will see what happens. I think it's in everybody's best interest, though, to kind of accommodate Punk, accommodate Brian, trust the process, listen to your fans. Again, whether you like their creative direction or not, They've done a great job of listening to their fans and more often than not giving their fans what they want. So hopefully that trend continues and I wish them the very best. And then lastly, whew, what a mess they made at SummerSlam, WWE that is, having Bianca Belair. I said 11 seconds on the broadcast. It was actually like 25. Doesn't matter. There was barely any action. Bianca got cheap shotted, pinned one, two, three. I mean, there, okay, there's a, there's a few whammies here. I was going to say a double whammy, but I think it's like a triple whammy. So let's, uh, let's think about the wh how many whammies there are here. So Becky Lynch returns and they crapped all over her return because they, they wanted to do a surprise, I guess. That's one whammy. They beat Bianca Belair, your top baby face and the star you maybe protected the most since you built up Roman Reigns years ago. Double whammy. You pin Bianca Belair in 25 seconds and on top of the horrible creative decision, optically, optics-wise, it looks horrible as well because you're cr crushing 
one half of the first black women main event in WrestleMania history. Triple whammy. But here's the quadruple whammy. Yeah, I know, I'm a grown man saying whammy. Deal with it. PWIinsider.com reports that Becky Lynch is set to be slotted as a heel. Now, you could say, well, her real-life husband, Seth Rollins, is a heel. And you're right. That's true. And it's stupid. Because Seth Rollins has been around for so long, he should be a babyface. Instead of cutting awful bad promos and wearing stupid suits and pretending to be a king of some drip and being in bad storylines for eye for an eye and all this other crap with Rey Mysterio and everything else. So, and hey, he's a great wrestler, but the character's just been horrible the last couple years. Instead of all that, he should be a babyface. But no, instead what Davey does is they bring back Becky Lynch, who's been gone for 17 months, who's a mother, who's one of their most popular stars, was uh, one half of the uh, you know cover, st cover of WWE 2K20, been all over the place, narrated Conor McGregor's video package recently for his fight with Dustin Poirier, and you bring her back after 17 months when live crowds are officially back, when you have this honeymoon period with the fans, when you need strong baby faces, and you turn her heel. And actually, there's a fifth whammy, because what the hell is she doing on SmackDown? No, seriously, what's she doing on SmackDown? Didn't Charlotte Flair mention her a couple weeks ago? Isn't there unfinished business with her on Raw vacating the title? You got Asuka there. You got Charlotte Flair there. You got Nikki Ash there. You got Rhea Ripley there, which would be a hell of a feud. The Raw women's, the Raw side in general, let alone the women's side, needs some serious help. And you bring her to SmackDown, and on top of that, you turn her heel. Now, now I think people will boo her. But I don't think they're going to actually boo her. I think they're going to boo the company. They're going to boo the company because it's damn near impossible to dislike Bianca. If you dislike Bianca, something's really wrong with you. you got to look in the mirror. It's damn near impossible <laughs> to want to boo a woman who was hardworking, who worked her way to the top and was inspirational and became a mother and, and went on this amazing journey to come back. And just come back and, you know, I'm, I'm presuming she hasn't lost a step because she's Becky Lynch and a high-level performer. I don't want to boo that woman. I want to boo the storyline. I want to boo the fact that they're trying this again. A couple, they tried this a couple years ago, if you remember. They tried, they tried to make Becky Lynch a heel. She turned on Charlotte Flair. I think it was actually at SummerSlam. And the crowd cheered. And they tried to turn her again. And the crowd cheered. And the crowd cheered. And finally, they decided to go all the way with her. And it was a relatively wise decision. So now you're going to turn her heel? Never mind the fact that you turn her heel by beating Bianca in seconds rather than actually cheating to win. No offense to Becky, you ain't Brock Lesnar. Most people ain't. So, we'll see what happens. And then lastly, Brock Lesnar, Roman Reigns looks like the next direction, obviously, since Brock Lesnar confronted Roman Reigns at the end of SummerSlam. But what's going to happen there? Because you could probably do... A, I guess if they do some type of series, you know, that, that'd be pretty good. That could keep Roman Reigns occupied probably for the rest of 2021. But where do you go from there? You know, reportedly, according to Dave Meltzer of WrestlingObserver.com, the plan for the dream match of The Rock versus Roman Reigns was targeted for 2023. Last time I checked, next year's 2022. 
I would not put anything in stone, especially with the way this pandemic's going. And I certainly don't like the idea of Roman Reigns just beating every single person for the next year only to get to The Rock at the following year's WrestleMania. I'm not going to overreact too much to it because a lot can change. Injuries happen. Maybe they change their course of direction if they have to go back to some type of Thunderdome format. Um, you know, maybe somebody gets hot. I don't know. And I love Roman Reigns. I think he's doing a great job. I'm not saying he should be losing the title right away anyway. Um, but I think right now, he's at the point where he's so protected. And assuming he beats Brock Lesnar, like, you could really do Roman Reigns versus The Rock without a championship on the line. It, him losing once or twice within the next year is not going to hurt the guy. Okay, I'll go back to The Rock. The Rock, in his prime, did probably more jobs than any top guy in history other than Ric Flair. Not saying he should have, but he did. And he was fine. And I think Roman Reigns will be fine if he loses a couple times here and there. Now, you could do a deal where Brock Lesnar comes in, beats him, then Roman Reigns beats him, and then you do a trilogy, the trilogy match, even though they've wrestled each other a few times before, and then Roman Reigns ultimately wins the feud, and that way... You can kind of, I don't say keep Roman Reigns fresh, but that way you can't, you know, fans can't complain. Well, they kept the title on him the whole time. But, yeah, we'll see. I mean, I mean, we'll see. Let's, let's just say he vanquishes Brock. I think the biggest mistake would be to vanquish Brock within one pay-per-view. Because then what? I mean, who do you have left for him? In theory, you have maybe an Edge rematch. He's already beaten Edge twice. You could do Big E. But I really think they need to kind of turn up the seriousness with Big E. I think he's got the, all the goods, but I think they need to kind of slightly tweak his character, be a little more serious, uh, you know, enough with some of the comedy stuff, really kind of get him some big wins. And, yeah, I mean, we'll see. I mean, you know, you could also do a deal where Big E cashes in, but he announces it ahead of time, loses, and then re-earns a shot by going into the Royal Rumble and, and, and winning it that way. Or going through elimination chamber and just you know just giving the baby face some obstacles to overcome. I feel like the money in the bank at this point is more of a heel thing. Whereas if you give a baby face some real obstacles along the way, only to get to WrestleMania or whatever the big pay-per-view is to win the title, I think that'd be a great thing. So if you want to elevate Big E, I'd probably wait till WrestleMania, honestly, whether it's him calling a shot with money in the bank or winning the Royal Rumble or what. Um, that's what I would do. But Seems like Davey's all in Roman Reigns, which again, Roman Reigns is fine. He's great. But you need some baby faces. And I also think that if you're going to have a title reign this long, beating this many people, at some point, I, I do think you know, the guy that's holding it needs to be a baby face. So whether, will they turn Roman Reigns? I don't know if they can turn Roman Reigns right now. I mean, that's the big intrigue with the Brock Lesnar match. Which side is Paul Heyman going to be on? You know, is he going to be on the side of Brock Lesnar? Is he going to be on the side of Roman Reigns? That remains to be seen. They could do a deal like Survivor Series 2002. But I don't think it's the time to turn Roman Reigns. I don't think the fans are demanding to cheer him right now. You know, like like, like, Cena, like John Cena. John Cena in 06, 07 had a legendary title run. He held the title for over a year. And I know some people complain about Super Cena. And granted, it was a very different time period because he had so many more real stars to work with. But John Cena from 2006... When he won the title at TLC 2006 against the Edge to when he had to vacate the title before No Mercy 2007, had, I think, the quintessential great babyface title run of, of modern history. As far as, like, holding down the fort, truly being the guy, 
selling the most merch, and on top of that, having great matches with people. The difference is now, fast forward all these years later, with all due respect to a lot of the great talent on, on SmackDown, Roman Reigns doesn't have a Shawn Michaels to work with. And this was also the problem when, when they were pushing Roman Reigns to begin with. Whereas John Cena had Eddie Guerrero and Angle and all these guys to work with at the time when he was getting over and Batista and Randy Orton, Roman Reigns had the big show in Kane. See the difference? You know, he had an older triple, much older Triple H. Big difference, right? So, yeah, I mean, look, John Cena got to work with Kurt Angle. John Cena got to work with Shawn Michaels. He got to work with, you know, Triple H, who was much younger back then. He got to eventually work with Batista, who was still in his prime. He got to work with prime Randy Orton. And Randy Orton's still great now, but, I mean, I, I guess you could switch it up in the draft, and you could have Roman Reigns feud with Drew McIntyre, and you could have Roman Reigns feud with Randy Orton, and you could have Roman Reigns feud with, you know, I don't know, maybe if Bobby Lashley loses the title, God forbid, to Goldberg, you could do Bobby Lashley, Roman Reigns, and that could preoccupy people. But I still, th- I don't know. At some point, you got to make a new babyface. It's great that Roman Reigns is the guy, but you need a, you need a strong full-time babyface on both freaking brands. Something that they just have not been able to do in recent history. You know, Drew's great, but I think Drew's time, unfortunately for him, kind of ran its course. He was the man in 2020. He earned it. He deserved it. I wish he won the title in front of a crowd. It did not happen. What's done is done. I don't think, I'm not saying you can't slide him back there in a temporary role as the guy, but I, I really think you need, you need somebody new. I think you need Elvay Biggie. I think they kind of made a mistake by not setting up Kofi Kingston to eventually dethrone Bobby Lashley because, you know, a lot of people didn't have Kofi Kingston on their mind as a main eventer again until this past summer, or this sub, this existing summer, it's almost over. Hope I don't want it to be over, but it's almost over. And I thought, man, Kofi Kingston, man, like, I love this version of Kofi Kingston. Believe it or not, when Kofi Kingston's serious, and he turns that switch on, and they give him credibility, he's a phenomenal pro wrestler. And what they do? They beat him. And they slid him back to the mid-card, and they do stupid stuff with The Miz and John Morrison when this guy's a former WWE champion. So... And granted, Kofi's not a young guy, but Kofi's, at 40 years old, Kofi looks phenomenal. He's moving great. He looks great. He is great. Like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Finn Balor, also 40 years old, but he still looks very young. And, and he's still relatively new, at least as far as like, you know, he hasn't been around for a while because he was in NXT, in the purgatory of NXT. He's back now. And I guess what's going to happen is Roman Reigns going to just beat Finn Balor. Like, I don't know, man. Again, again. I'm fine with Dedeby protecting world champions. I'm fine with them pushing Roman Reigns. He is great. But I do think that you, whether it's true or not, whether it occurs or not, there is no way in hell that you can justify Dedeby waiting till 2023 to even consider having a new universal champion that is a young, relatively young, quote-unquote new top babyface. I'm not counting Brock Lesnar. I'm not counting Drew McIntyre. I'm not counting anybody that's quote-unquote established. I'm talking about somebody, again, relatively new to that scene. I don't think it's going to be Kofi Kingston, unfortunately. Big E, maybe. Big E would fit that category. He's been around for a while, but like he's still, quote-unquote, new to the main event scene. So We will see what happens, folks, but that's your daily wrestling update. I'm going to get out of here. I'm sweating some bullets right now, but I want to hear from you. What do you think about everything going on with AEW? 
What do you think about everything going on with WWE? Let me know. Leave a comment below if you enjoyed this update. Like, share. Don't forget to subscribe and turn on notifications for more updates like this. YouTube.com slash TSC Wrestling, our brand new YouTube channel. Until next time, as always, enjoy the matches.